welcome to VIP Boxing's latest podcast. I think we're on episode four, 56 of Bell to Bell this week. Um, thanks for, for watching on YouTube. And you've, if you've downloaded for a listen on iTunes and Spotify, thanks. Thanks even more to um, everyone who's left a review, particularly on iTunes. I think we were in at 34 or 35 on the iTunes British podcast um, charts the other day, John tells me, which is no mean feat when you consider all the stuff out there. So thanks for everyone who's listening on iTunes when you're on your way to work or as John Evans would say, taking your dog for a walk. It's, re it's really good of you and we appreciate it. Um, you know me, Steve Lillis. You know John Evans with a VIP sweat, sweat top on. He loves modelling now. I think he's just <laughs> after some new stuff from Woody. Um, you're, you're okay down the road there, John? Yeah, I'm good, Steve. A big weekend for a Northwest Boxing, wasn't it, this weekend? Had some lighting, some big fights. So it's we'll been talk a about that. Great week. weekend, and we'll be talking about that. Um, well, it's been a great weekend. Not maybe the results um, people wanted, but it was still a great weekend. Great explosive fights. A special guest this week, a man who's been very relevant to what's happened over the weekend. He's making his second bell to bell appearance. Top trainer, the second most famous man in Bolton after Amir Khan, Alex Matvienko. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thanks for uh, the invite, boys. Thanks, thanks for coming on, mate. Um, Alex, um, look, we're going to talk about Jack Flatley's fight against Kerman Laraja later on. I know you're keen to make that the final round of um, this week's podcast. But um, I'm guessing, just one question on it, I'm guessing um, you've got a mixture of disappointment and pride right now as we talk about it because your man lost, but he put so much into that fight and he's come out and there's still... You know, he comes back, you know, I was talking to Steve Wood this morning. He comes back, gets a win somewhere in a six-rounder on one of your bills or one of Steve's bills. He's back in the title picture again. Yeah, completely. I think um, he's made himself a bit of a household name, obviously on a big platform, showed just massive amounts of heart and courage and will to win. And for us as boxing fans and, and, and people around who are watching it, you know, who could not have of you know felt for him in that performance you know so yeah um i'm sure the doors will open people might look at him and think you know am i at that level i want to fight jack flatley or we want to bring him back anyway and you know obviously do our job and and get him a title so yeah yeah um it, it's not a loss is it? It, it it's just a learning curve it, it's just part of the journey yeah well we'll talk about that later but um we're coming up to christmas have you got are you busy before Christmas with anyone out on Steve Wood shows or anywhere else? Um, yeah, but we've got, um, I've got a couple of lads on the road now. So I've got young Mikey Young. He's um, super fly around that way. He's fighting in, on Chris Sanagar's show next week. Gets through that fine. He's uh, going to be fighting Ricky Starkey. One of the uh, road warriors. <laughs> oh, when's when's that? When's that fight? That's the infamous Jolly Boys. Oh, mm. mate, you know what? They're the fights. They're the fights that John. Look at John Evans smiling. They're the fights. You know what? If I, I, I'm due to be going away that weekend, but I don't think I am now because of all these jabs and stuff you got to have. Yeah. Oh, don't usually go to the Jolly Boys. So I'm not a boozer. That's the sort of fight I'm going to rock up for. Brilliant look fight. at John Evans' yeah. reaction there. Oh, I love it, Ricky. Ricky Starkey's. Round the bend, didn't he, if you ever spoke to Ricky, and he, for putting him in the home corner, aren't they? Yeah, so he, yeah. he'll be, he'll be, that'll be his world title. Oh, fight. Yeah. oh exactly. right. I tell you what, you better get your guy through his four rounds next week, otherwise yeah. I'm falling out with you. So will well, Steve well, Wood. So will everybody fall out with you if you don't get him through know, four rounds? I know. Well, <laughs> Mike is a good little fighter. He's a good listener, and um, he's won one on the road. He drew one. Oh. 
who I thought was dubious and he can look after himself. So he's going to go down to Chrissy Shaw. He's still going to go for that win and then hopefully comes out unscathed and uh, has, has a, a good end to the year with Ricky. What a 50-50. I love it. Have you found it this year, Alex? I was talking to a couple of trainers yesterday and you know, with home fighters, not opponents, home fighters. And they was pleasantly surprised at how busy they've been this year. You know, the lads have managed to get out, out often. How have you found it? Um, Steve Wood's done a tremendous job, um, he, he, as always. You know, he's putting two shows a week on at the moment, on average. Um, and luckily, he's, he's been. we've been doing co-promotions with him at Bolton. You know, it takes a bit of pressure off Steve then, instead of Steve, you know, because Steve's... He's got like Jed helping him and stuff, but he's a bit of a one-man band and I, I don't know how he does it. So, you know, we've been helping at Bolton, trying to bring some sponsorships in, you know, to, you know, make it a bit more easier on um, expenses. We're having to bring more foreigners in. There's there's less opponents about. and um, But but hopefully it's making life a little easier for Steve. And, you know, he's kept so many fires in the Northwest busy just recently, never mind over the last... 20 odd years, but just recently he's, he's had so many shows in Liverpool, Leeds, Bolton, um, and he's still going right up until the Jolly Boys the, the last Sunday before Christmas. So, yeah, it, it's been unreal to see the lads out. We've had a lot of our lads out, it's like I say, thanks to Steve. Um, you know, not just on Steve's, we, we had a lad on Fight Zone, we've had um, obviously Jack on the zone. So, yeah, it, it's been good to be honest. Yeah. And- just one final question before we kick on with the pod. You've promoted a couple of shows. Does that mean um, there's less Christmas presents this year for the family because you're doing your dough with no TV? <laughs> um, we're just about broke even. Just about. That's not um, bad it, then. Yeah, it helps with the sponsorship. Some I'm trying. I'm trying to bring to the plate because Steve brings everything. He's got his experience and everything, and maybe I can bring something slightly a bit different. I'm trying to bring some sponsorships, get some people involved. I've got some good, um, a good community at the gym. They all get involved and support. So, yeah, we've just done all right this Christmas. So the girls will have a couple of selection boxes. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll kick on. We've got plenty to talk about. John, have you got your bell and your time yeah, already? I'm going to start the pod this week. Um, you ready, John? Let's go. Going the extra yard, uh, Anthony Yard went that over the weekend with um, the stoppage of or knockout of Lyndon Arthur. <sighs> um, I just thought Yard was superb, absolutely brilliant. I mean, you know, I, I, I just think his shot selection was good. Little changes, he, he's a his feet, his aggression without waiting for, for Lyndon was, was fantastic. And I'm just thinking, you know, without dwelling too much on the fight. If he'd been showing this from day one in his career, we'd be talking about one of the most exciting light heavyweights in the world and people would want to see him because we've seen so often when he's been knocking these average Europeans out, he'd go through the motions for four rounds, see what he's got to do, step it up a bit and blow him away. He vowed after that last Linden fight, the first Linden fight, he'd never, and he'd just go for the knockout all the time. And I took it with a pinch of salt because of how we'd seen him perform in the past when he's won fights. But that was fantastic last night. And I tell you what, I give him a great chance against, a massive chance against Joe Smith or Callum Johnson now. And I think all them little changes, I know Tundies at the front, that them changes never been brought in before. Is it, you know, it's not just a coincidence that an old stager like James Cook 
is suddenly around him, just making small changes that maybe 10% that he needed to make him a, world, a, a genuine world champion in the making. He can still become a world champion, I believe. Yeah, I, I, I thought he was, he was brilliant. And a lot of the doubts we've had about Yard being explosive and can he do it over 12? He's really tired, you know, that the muscle he carries around, will that sap him? But last night, he went for it from get-go, didn't he? But yeah. that was, could have also proved to be a dangerous fight if he had blown himself out after three rounds. You don't want to be fighting Lyndon Arthur with that jab if you're, if you're tired, do you, and your explosiveness has gone. So he must be confident and must believe in his gas tank. Um, yeah, if we've got this new seek and destroy yard from opening belly, he's a serious problem for everyone, isn't he? I, I think he's an, another exciting person. You mentioned Callum Johnson. You mentioned uh, Joe Smith and... You know, it, it was a strange one, the first fight. It looked like Lyndon Box with one hand. I'm not even sure if he actually did. But, you know, Yardy just looks a different animal in there. Maybe James Cook inspired him. Maybe he, he thought, you know what, he, he, I've got to go and do it. Seek and destroy. You know, something's definitely changed in his mindset. And uh, he picked his punches well. And that body shot when he was on the ropes, that, that was a crippling body shot. Very accurate, good power, um, you know, he did look really dangerous. And we know he's dangerous. He dropped cover left, didn't he? So it's obviously dangerous. But, yeah, he looked the part yesterday. And also that was almost, you know, last chance saloon for Anthony in that fight. Because if he'd, if he'd lost second time to Lyndon Arthur, he was another... He'd be two years down the road. But got to stop. Over to you, John, and another fight from last night. Hamza Shiraz. Yeah, Hamza Shiraz should have been disqualified in that fight with Bradley Skeet. Um, Bradley was brilliant. He just knew too much for Hamza, didn't he? He was, he was having it all his own way, really. He was dictating everything. Hamza got it completely wrong, and Bradley was taking advantage. And at 34, he began to tire a little bit, and Hamza got closer with that strength. But Bradley was well on the way to winning there. It was a le legitimate shot that put him down. But you can excuse the first one, because Bradley was on his way. But the next two the, were... The third one, inexcusable. yeah. And the third one was the hardest of a lot. You know, so he wasn't trying to pull back and it was natural. The third one he really laced into. It was extremely similar to Roy Jones and Montel Griffin, where he'd had a frustrating eight, nine rounds, finally caught up with him. And it was even the same shot, you know, right hook. And I, I thought it took everything away from Bradley. Um, Bradley's not of a mind to roll around, play act and, and get a disqualification. He's probably not that sort of character, but it shouldn't even have been in Bradley's hands. That should have been an instant disqualification, that. Yeah, yeah. You, you you use the um, the Roy Jones and Montel, but I was thinking a lot of Terry Norris. You yeah. know, Terry, yeah, Terry yeah, yeah. He, he had about three or four three disqualifications. <laughs> um, I think Luis Santana was that it. was the one you know, that was the yeah, three fight series. I think yeah, it was twice he was it twice he got disqualified. You know, he, he was hot headed. Um, I think with Hamza, it was a sign of, of frustration, maybe as John said. Not necessarily like Terry Norris really did have a seek and destroy attitude. Um, he really did want to hurt people. And Hamza's a good fighter. He's been our Jimmy Spard. Um, but I do feel, as uh, John was saying, it was it was a sign of frustration maybe. And Steve Gray's a great referee, but he, he probably made the wrong call on that. He, so. he got the call badly wrong. The third punch was a shocker. Um, absolute disqualification. You know, his feet were slowing. So he may have got to him. I don't think he did, but there was he, his feet were slowing. Who knows what could have happened? Um, I still would have gone with Bradley. But it took me back 
um, to Jamie Moore, Michael Jones, when oh, yeah, Ray, Ray Farrell, it was that the second fight they had, was it? And yeah. Ray, Ray Farrell told Michael Jones to stay down. And you know what? People are slaughtering me. Dominic Ingle should have told him to stay down. He would have got the disqualification. But it's not in Bradley's nature. It's the sort of bloke he is. And um, you know what? And I, you know, and I think he does deserve the rematch, whether he gets it. Is a is a is a, is a totally another another matter altogether. But yeah, I, I, I think, think I, I, I don't think they'll rush to give him that. No, yeah. it's a bad one for Hamza as well, isn't it? Because Hamza, you know, that was set up. Let's not let's not mess around. That was a setup for Hamza to look good, wasn't it? And really yeah. put himself on the scene, and it didn't go very well. That so I think we'll look to uh, find Hamza another opponent who he can look good against. Round three. Um, Alex is feeling generous towards John. He wants to talk about the 1980s. Go away, you go, Alex. Well, uh, you mentioned what topic. I was half asleep when when obviously he asked me, and I thought, you know what? One thing what I always chat about with John, if we ever catch up, or one thing I do like watching is the the, the heavyweights. I mean, at the moment we've we've got some great heavyweights just in our country, but. I don't think we're ever going to beat the like eighties and nineties heavyweights of your your likes of your your top ones like your Greg Page and people like oh, that, and, and then then your lower small you call them maybe small all or whatever, and, and you've got all, obviously your David Eisens who were coming through. Your um, the, the, there's just so many. Your Burt Coopers obviously was on the fringe, and, and the, the, there's just there's, there's too many. It's endless, and I know John knows his heavyweights, and we can talk all day about it. And uh, there's some funny stories as well. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, the, the, there's all sorts of things you hear about dunking, and there was a guy called Ricky Parker who was a bad promoter who poisoned one of his fighters in a fight. And <laughs> you know, there's so many stories. I know John probably knows half of them as well. And I thought, you know what? Everyone likes talking about the eighties heavyweights. It'd be nice to hear what what you think as well, Steve. I know I've had the subject with John, but what, what did you like about the 80s you know and 90s? What? I loved it. And first thing you said that, it's mad to think one of my 80s heroes or my favourite fighter of all time is Evander Holyfield. And it's mm. mad to think that he won his first cruiserweight title in the 80s, he's unified it before going to heavyweight and he's still going. But you know what? I loved... I loved what, I mean, I, I come up from watching small box in the early 80s. Great friend of mine, Harry Cowart, um, TP Jenkins, guys like that in London, London area, small wall. Monday night fights, Denny Mancini did. But I, I you know, I love, I love British boxing. It's what I thrive on, what I've made my living out of. So I'll always go for that. I love the 80s with, with Frank Bruno nights. You can go on about opponents and all that. But when Bruno was fighting on a Wednesday night at Wembley or the Royal Albert Hall, there was a genuine feeling everywhere you went I mean, in London, you know, sort of living yeah. back home then. And it was special. He was back page news. And you know yeah, what? Yeah. All the stick he used to get. But he was a good heavyweight, I'm telling yeah. you. A good heavyweight. And, you know, the, the things I remember in the early 80s, going to see Gary Mason fight Bobby Wells. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Around 81, Southwest Dibs. Wells then beat him because Gary had been out partying all weekend as he loved. <laughs> and Wells went on one of bronze at the Olympics. That's what I talk about the 80s. Yeah. John yeah. Evans, you've got oh, about I, half a minute, I, I should I, think. I, I love those guys. I love those fellas. For all mad as well, weren't they, for various different reasons? <laughs> yeah, even Gary but, Mason. Lovely Gary, all, mad. They were all smaller and they were more athletic. And I honestly think they were so talented. So talented. When you look at fellas like... John Tate, there's another one plucking oh. out of thin air. Imagine him in this era now. He'd be, he'd be <laughs> right in the mix. But yeah. 
we're all lunatics. Like Alex says, we're, we're out of time, but some great stories if you look it up and brilliant fights as well. It was a good era. I've got some great mate art anyway. Um, round four, back to me. Um, Probellum, the new show in town. Um, it's um, the way, way they've operated. It, it, it's enviable, I guess. You know, the way they've announced all their talent that's going to work for them, but no one knows who, what they're going to broadcast on. They start next week in Dubai with Sonny Edwards against Jason Mummer, his mandatory challenger for his world flyweight title. Paul Butler challenges um, um, Casemiro, um, another Filipino. And I'm just wondering what you think their plans are in boxing. Because, you know, they're, they're announcing all these signings. They're with different promoters. They're promoting, managing. And um, I'm just... I'm, I'm just you know, I'm just fascinated. Every day there's a new press release from another signing. They're, fight, they're working with Ghanaian, Ugandan, Australian promoters, Latvian, Finnish. They're, you know, they're coming up to in Britain in two weeks. They're launching in Sunderland. They're working with Sim, Sam Kynock in Scotland. It looks to me like they're planning a takeover of boxing. It does, doesn't it? You know, it's it, all over the globe that they're, they're starting up. I wonder if they're going to be putting them on their own shows or whether they're just going to be letting fighters out to other shows. And so virtually every fighter will have some sort of connection to Pro Bellum. But it, like they're starting off in Sunderland, aren't they? And it's pretty small. You know, they're going to rain to Meadows, aren't they, with Lewis Ritson and stuff. So they're not coming in big and doing big events in Britain. They're starting off very small, which surprised me. I thought they might have come in with a big bang. But like you say, obviously the money's there. You know, everyone seems to be joining. Joining. If you text people about what the plans are, I know a couple of people say Pro Bellum have given them the best offer, and that's where they're likely to go. So yeah, it's uh, it next year is going to be interesting, especially where they land, which which broadcast their home shows are going to be on. It seems like the, the, there's a lot of platforms at the moment. It's probably busier than ever. I think yeah. it just seems with all these people coming on and. They've branded that quite well, haven't they? And it's sticking yeah. out well. And like you say, they're releasing things every day. It looks uh, looks quite well organised. And, you know, it looks like they've got a good team and structure. And um, like you said, you, you probably think they'd go bang into a big event, but maybe they're doing it wisely. They understand they've got to build it. You know, it seems like they've, they've got, you know, a good team around them. It's quite clever what they seem to be doing. Like you say, they're offering good deals. So maybe they're offering the good deals, but coming in slowly, building the shows up and putting the name out. But it's another exciting platform, really, isn't it? Again, there, there seems to be a lot of competition at the moment, but it's good for boxing, for the boxers. Yeah, it seems great with the boxers. I can perhaps understand, John, why they're going pretty small in Sunderland, because they're pretty new here. And, you know, let, let's, not, let's not, you know, start, you know, doing, doing the 26.2 miles marathon when, when we haven't got started. I can understand what they're doing. Round five and um, another one, uh, a, a bit of a, a topic you like talking about, John, the lightweights. Haney beat the lightweights. Yeah, I swore never to speak about these fellas again until we started fighting each other. But we have seen a little bit of mixing and matching, not between the top guys, but a couple of good fights in in recent weeks, so I'll break that little ban. Um, Devin Haney last night with Jojo Diaz. Devin Haney's a, such a talented boxer, isn't he? You know, he's, he's in the, the top level of a sport, but when I look at those guys, the, the lightweights, I think he's the one that we're all going to be targeting. I've, you know, I've seen him fight now. Um, Linares hurt him when he could draw him into a fight and get involved. Jojo Diaz had big moments last night when he could get him into a fight. 
And I'll look at people like George Cambosis. He'll be licking his lips watching that fight from Haney. He'll know that he can make Haney fight. He can make him engage. And that'll play to Cambosis' strengths. Someone like Tank would love to exchange with Haney. He would love that. And I just wonder if, as talented as Haney is, has he got that equaliser? Has he got that dig? Has he got that robustness to really mix it with these explosive top guys at lightweight? Alex? Um, the lightweights, I haven't been watching as much, but you can see Haney is, I'm not, I'm not caught with that fight. He's athletic, obviously. And, and then you've got the guys around him. And I, you know what I, I, I was thinking when he was saying that? What guys have we got in the UK? Maybe you saw a Maxi Hughes. Would he yeah. get to him, break his heart? Maybe he hasn't got the firepower to, you know, but he's that kind of, he's showing so much character recently in these fights. He's putting these guys over, he's breaking their hearts and, you know, I'd love to see someone like that. We saw it over the years. Maybe sometimes we've seen them step too far, like Howard Clark and Fernando Vargas. But I'd love to see someone like a Maxi Hughes go in there with one of these big names like your Haney's and that and, and just uh, turn them over with the heart and desire that, that like Maxi's got. But he, he's done it with the sort of gatekeepers recently. It'd be nice to let him off the leash and, and uh, you know, go and see what he could do with someone like Haney who's shown vulnerabilities in the past and stuff. There's far oh. less deserving cases than Maxi Hughes that have gone and fought yeah. these guys. These guys, they get out of Mexico and South America are like 23 and 1, who we know Maxi would be. But you know what, from your, your epic rant the other week about these guys not fighting each other, John, I think with the Cambosis win last night and the Haney, I haven't seen the fight last night. I've read two or three journalists whose stuff I do read and, you know, that they you know, been okay about him, but sort of suggested he maybe he's not this uh, demigod that some people are telling you. I think suddenly now, John, over the last two months since your rant, there's more chances of these guys meeting because they all think they're going to beat Cambosas because there's a boxing snobbery. Because he's from Australia and not the Bronx, he can't fight still to a lot of people. It's the shit we get in boxing. It's like if he... Oh, oh I could have gone... Yeah, could have gone. We went way over anyway. Go on, Alex. Alex, how you win, how you lose. Over to you, Alex. Jack versus Laraja. Um, big step up in class. Uh, he made it competitive a lot of times. There was there was a few variables like there always is when you when you fight away from home. But you know he'd done himself proud, and and you know, and and Kerman, what a legend. He come to the hospital. He was waiting for Jack just whilst he got obviously his mandatory checkovers and stuff. Made him pizza afterwards, and you know, he's just a gentleman. But yeah, it, it, it's like if you look back over the years, look at Winky Wright. He went and fought Vasquez. He was slipping on the canvas. I think there was probably about five fights he lost to the South American, uh, five knockdowns against the South American. It, it just you know, the canvas were very slippy. His legs did go a couple of times. There was a couple where I thought it was a bit dubious, but Jack didn't complain. Um, and, and yeah, he, he was, you know, Kerman's a tough. We probably underestimated him slightly with the Jez Smith. He'd come back, you know, he'd come back slightly better, slightly cuter. Um, you know, it, it, was, it was a big task. Jack showed formidable amounts of heart and desire. And, um, I, I'm just, I'm just proud that he's, he's, he's ticked a bucket list. He's, you're talking about a young kid who had a very 
poor amateur record at the beginning, brought it through, started beating all the best kids, Scott Fitzgerald, Jordan Reynolds, turned professional, had a bit of bad luck, the COVID, I got it with a Metcalf fight, the Fowler fight, he broke his foot the week before, so he's not had the big platform, and you know, he got one of the biggest platforms against a bit of a formidable puncher who's only lost to the uh, your world, world-rated David Aviesian. Um, you know, so it was a massive task. Like I say, it, a bit like when Ricky Burns as well fought Carl Johansson, you know, and he got dropped a few times at Leeds. It was just a step too far against a good puncher. Um, but, you know, he, 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 showed, he just... Um, he won a lot of people over that 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 stadium. Just it it was quite intimidating going in, going out. It was you know the respect you could just feel it walking out. They all come over, they're all clapping. You know it, it was unbelievable to be honest. You, you know what? I've, all I've heard is good things about Laraja from Bradley Skeet's team. There, they, they said he was they were brilliant with him. You know, really when Alan Smith was with him, but. You know what? I think a couple of things. That's that the other night. That fight showed how you win and how you lose in this sport. We've had the crap from Teofimo Lopez last week. The crap from Deontay Wilder. Man who Jack and Laraja can only dream of reaching those heights with the greatest respect to them. The way they behaved in winning. We've seen fighters talking trash even when they won fights. That is how you lose. And Jack's Facebook post yesterday was most probably one of the, the finest things I've ever... And I mean this. Now, I've even made a post about it. I've read on Facebook. That's how you lose as a man and, and how you win as a man. Laraja going to the hospital, driving you back to the hotel, making sure you're safe, cooking your pizza. That, that, that's what a, a real man's about, not this shit from Lopez and his dad and what we've had from Wilder. And you know what? As we said earlier... There's, you know, for Jack, there's a way back. Maybe he, he needs a cut. Look, it was a, it was a heavy knockout in the end. You know, he was tired, great shot, um, and, and everything. But he need you give him a couple six rounders. He's straight back in the British British eliminator picture. You could even have a VIP clash against Mason Cartwright for some sort of eliminator. There's fights out there for him. But you know, um, where he's one of someone like Lyndon last night. It's going to be a lot harder because it was such a conclusive defeat. You know, it's mad what, what a defeat can do for your career. What was your opinion of it, John? You know what, Alex? What must make you proud as well? I know he showed heart and stuff, but it was one of the maybe the best flatly I've seen. You know, yeah. he, he, his boxing was great. His jab was was brilliant. He just couldn't he couldn't get Laharaga. He got his respect as a fighter, but he just couldn't keep yeah. him off. And Laharaga was willing to take a jab to give one Mosny and he, that's where it came apart for Jack but under that pressure in that atmosphere and under that firepower I, I thought he held himself together brilliant listened to you and boxed as as well as I've seen Jack box because I, I texted him a week and said I know you've been working on inside work with him and that might come in handy at some point but Jack boxed well uh, I, I think you should be really proud of him there yeah, I felt like he nullified him on the inside really well when he was there. Uh, yeah. You know, Laraja's best shot is probably the body shot. Yeah. Um, and his right hand's probably nearly the second best, you know, close second. But the body shot he's got, he's, he's just ferocious, that left up to the body. Because see every fight, he hurts someone to the body with it. Um, Jack completely nullified the body shot really well. Um, nothing was hurting but his head, you know. <laughs> you know, he, he couldn't land the left up to the body. Well, as you say, Jack showed some good spurts of, of, of his great boxing ability. He's fainting, he's jabbing, 
he, you know, when he was moving his head and using his feet, he didn't get stuck on the ropes. You know, that ring was tiny, um, which it was always going to be. But Jack stayed off the ropes really well. When he was on the ropes, he blocked and pulled and moved. And yeah, he, he showed some really good uh, glimpses. And, and as, as Steve says, the more he gets a couple more sixes, we'll see even more of that. You know, Jack knows now, he believes in himself. He knows he can mix it at this level. Some people would have got wiped out early. Like, like we've said, you know, we've had lots of Brits go over and they've been beat early. Um, you know, some good fighters. And he's beat some, he's got a crazy record. But Jack was not intimidated. He, he, he loved it. He was probably slightly nervous, but he wasn't intimidated. Um, he okay, really I, enjoyed it. Alex, having been so close to La Haraga and stuff and seen him for a couple of days before the weigh-in, how hard must it have been for him to do welterweight? Unbelievable. Because, I mean, he struggled to do light middle. So we were sort of banking on, do you know what? He, he's tight at the weight, but he come in that ring, he was massive. I yeah. didn't expect him to um, to actually be as big as he was because he used to make welterweight. And um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a bit of a freak. Um, same with his punching power. He has really good punch, as we saw. You know, he does have good punching power. Um, I think sometimes he might make the weight wrong, so he's punching power. But whatever happened, he, he, he was strong that night, up close. I mean, I saw... Golovkin punched Martin up close uh, when they fought at Monaco, and his punches are better, Golovkin, but power-wise, you know, you can hear the punches footing. We had Mike Jackson in the corner. He, he's been, you know, been around boxing for years, been in lots of big fights, and he, he was like, he could hear the punches as well and see him, and he was saying, this guy really can punch, and he's quite formidable. His, his power's, you know, it's really, he's got good power. Brilliant. Right, I, just wonder, I just wonder if that getting done by Avanesian in two rounds or around whatever it was, I just wonder if that might have been down to weight and he's actually been underrated because of that. And at light middle, we might see him as a different a different animal. Yeah. Um, I would. I think in making weight, he, 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 you know, definitely welterweight would have really made a big, uh, you know, a big difference. And I'm taking nothing away from David. We've seen how good he is. Uh, with Josh Taylor and that, um, but he's a he's a brute at line middle. Yeah, he is. He's a brute. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Thanks for joining us today, Alex. I hope um, you know disappointing night Friday. I hope talking to us too about a bit of boxing has cheered you up. I'll let you go now because I know you've got shopping and your daughters to pick up and everything. There's no oh, stop you. for you. Thanks very much for coming on, and we'll get you on again earlier in the new year. You brought a lot of great insight, as always, especially on Jack the other night. John Evans, thanks very much, as always, and tell Woody to get you a new tracksuit top, mate, because, <laughs> you know, you're playing that on one every week now. Thanks, everyone else, for listening. It's been a really, really um, good six rounds of talk. Thanks very much, and we'll speak to you next week, the final one before we sign off for Christmas. Thanks very much. For all boxing... Info, news and latest interviews, Amateur and Pro, across the north, click and subscribe. VIP, boxing promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.